This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. We mentioned this uh, back when we were doing headlines. Of course, we're very heavy college football, as you can imagine, and that's our core, but we do have segments, including Mickey Spagnola on Thursdays on the Cowboys, who are 2-0. and They look amazing, but you never know what's around the corner in the news today about Trayvon Diggs. Mickey, thanks for your time. Were you at the practice? Were you watching when he went down? No, I, uh, he went down after the portion we get to watch practice, so... Uh, it happened uh, a little bit later, I think, after the uh, media was dismissed. But, David, how many times do you think this has happened when I've been on with you on the day? I'm telling you right now, I here? almost sent you a text. I said something <laughs> must be big. I mean, there's been some huge stories that have happened on the days you've been on uh, over the years with me since the 90s. It's amazing that, that it happens, you know, and I think, the words probably came out of my mouth today on our podcast saying, you know, I think uh, going into this Arizona game, just judging from how they were practicing on Wednesday, that this is going to be as healthy as a team can be oh, no. and probably as healthy as they've been on the offensive line since Terrence Steele tore his ACL the first week in November of last year. And then no more than – Probably a half hour after that, uh, Diggs leaves practice uh, on crutches, going for an MRI. And anytime you hear crutches, knee, MRI, you're thinking ACL. And sure enough, that's what it is out for the season. Yeah, and and then Tyler Biotis hurt his hamstring, so they might not have all five. Like depending on how that goes, they don't have all five of them back this week either. Uh, Although we'll see, we'll see on that one. Uh, A lot of times, you know, it's the hamstring, and you go, "Okay, we got to check this out." And you're very conservative, so uh, that one probably takes till Sunday before we find out if he's able to play or not. Mickey, um, this. They're rolling along. They've outscored their two opponents 70 to 10. And, you know, it's so early in the season, but they are playing with a confidence and a swagger on defense behind Micah Parsons that I, I cannot remember the last time, even in good defensive years that they have been this intense. Yeah. uh, They've been, I mean, uh, kind of demoralizing their opponents uh, with the pressure they able to put on. You know, I was I was still a little, okay, now let me see if they can stop the run uh, because that was the problem last year. And, you know, and then the Jets are coming in and they got Brees Hall and Delvin Cook. And uh, it's like, can you stop the run? And those guys combined eight carries for 16 yards. Now, the Cowboys got them out of their running game because of getting a lead. But, hey, it was 18-10 at halftime, right? Uh, but they slammed the door on the run. Uh, they can put pressure on the quarterback. It seems like almost at will. Uh, the takeaways start coming. They've already got seven. Uh, they've been pretty destructive in those first two games. And you know what? And, and this may have surprised people, uh, but we saw it coming in training camp. It was brewing. They were ruining more practices just by the pressure they were putting on the first team 
offense and you were sitting there going, Goller, these Cowboys tackles, can they play? Can they pass block in the middle? Uh, but now we're seeing other people are having problems with this defense too. All right, so with the Trayvon Diggs news, uh, Jordan Lewis, I told Paul, he's back just in time. He came back last week, didn't play a lot, but he's back, and that, that doesn't mean you replace Trayvon Diggs. Gilmore's become, well, that was just one of the best offseason acquisitions. So how does this, or it does it affect kind of your secondary from nickel to dime to corners or whatever? Well, here, here's what happens, uh, Smokey. And, the, you know, I thought the trade for Gilmore was good. Now it's really great, right, mm-hmm. yep. in, in lieu of this happening. So what's going to happen is the, the top three corners in the first uh, two games were Gilmore left corner, uh, Diggs right corner, Duran Bland in the slot. So my guess is what's going to happen now that, Jordan Lewis played 10 snaps, uh, kind of ramping up in the game against the Jets. Now he's available. So Duran Bland will go from the slot to right corner, uh, sort of how he played left corner last year uh, after Anthony Brown went down. Uh, And then Jordan Lewis will assume his usual spot in the slot that he, uh, you know, patrolled. Uh, for the last couple of years until, until he had the Liz Frank injury midway through the season last year, ending his season. So he gets back in the nick of time. Uh, he goes into the slot, and my guess is Bland goes to right corner. But now, you know, the trickle-down effect is, well, okay, now who's the backup on the outside? Well, they kept the rookie sixth-round pick, Eric Scott. He hasn't been active in the first two games. And then remember – they traded uh, Kelvin Joseph uh, for an outside corner to Miami, uh, Noah Igbenopini. Uh, and so, you know, he wasn't active this last game, and neither was Eric Scott. So one of the two, if not both, uh, will need to be active uh, on, on Sunday in Arizona. So it's one thing to kind of replace the guys that are injured and kind of shuffle around, but it's like, okay, now what sort of depth do I have for the next injury if it happens on game day? Mickey, what do you think they do with that roster spot? Well, I, I, it'll be interesting to see uh, if they think they need another defensive back, uh, but they, they, they're about to have somewhat of a problem at center because they were using Brock Hoffman off the practice squad on two elevations to be the backup center on game day. Well, he's only got one more elevation left. Uh, So do you use that one up and then say, okay, let's see what we do with that roster spot. Uh, Or they've got another center on the practice squad. They just signed. Oh, I'm going to forget his name. He's got some experience and you could use, three of his elevations up uh, to play center if that's what they do. So the idea at center was they had two guys with three elevations on the practice squad to get you through six weeks, and then you can see what you want to do with that spot if you want to put one of them on the 53. So I would imagine a lot of what happens with Biotish, if he can play or not, they might have to use that spot up for one of the centers. Otherwise, They'll, they'll just kind of hang tight until they see if they're another position. We need to get a guide to the 53. 
Mickey, you never know how the draft could come or what is there for you. And others made three or four picks in front of you. Micah Parsons falls not in their lap because they could have still looked at something else. But I got to ask you this, and this is not because there still needs to be more years and like, you know, his resume. But who has been more disruptive at any position in the Cowboys defense prior to Micah Parsons? Who would it be? Probably, and it's been several years, right? Right. Uh, probably Demarcus uh, Demarcus Ware. Okay. He, he he at times in his career when he was healthy, he he basically was unblockable. Uh, I I think for somewhat it was Demarcus Lawrence, uh, but again when he was healthy and he had so many years that he was he was not healthy, he was not able to play. Uh, and, and he's still disruptive. You saw the first play of the game, right, mm-hmm. against the Jets. Uh, you know, they're going to run the ball, and the first play he dropped uh, Brees Hall for a four-yard four loss. So uh, probably that. But, yeah, it's been a while since somebody's been as totally destructive like uh, Micah Parsons because they can put him in so many different places. It's not just one spot. And that's the beauty of what Dan Quinn does with guys. Because you could say, well, he's the right defensive end. Well, then teams know where he's at. You put a tight end over there, or you put a a running back over there and chip him, and then you know where he's at. But he's not always over there. Sometimes he's on the left side, and the quarterback's got to find him. Sometimes he's in the middle. Sometimes he's at linebacker. Sometimes they play basically a 4-3, but they line Micah Parsons up on the line of scrimmage as the, like the strong side linebackers used to do in the day, and you got a five-man front. Now, who are you doubling on that side? Are, are, can you double Micah Parsons on the, un- uh, on the outside, or what do you do with Demarcus Lawrence, who's right next to him? So it, 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 you got to give Dan Quinn a lot of credit for thinking outside the box on how to kind of manipulate these guys in different spots, and so far, so good. Uh, you know, the other thing about what he did, you know, he wins NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Well, to me, it was a typical Micah Parsons uh, performance. It was an atypical NFL performance. And darn if he didn't cost the rookie place kicker, Brandon Aubrey, winning the uh, NFC Special Teams Player of the Week with five field goals and eight touchbacks on eight kickoffs. Because they weren't going to give the Cowboys two of the three spots, right? Right. Why not, though? I mean, they earned it. Well, they gave it to a punter. Oh, okay. Okay. A punter. He only punted four times. Now, granted, one of them was 72 yards. Oh, wait a minute. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a a touchback, so you take 20 yards off of that, right? Well, still 52, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That, that's a, that's a good net. That's a good net there, Mickey. But so, that ain't five field goals between twenty-one and fifty-five yards. No, um, I was. Uh, I think I, I've never been more like uh, comfortable with the offense being not aggressive than I was in a game like they were this week. Just because they were in total control of the game, they you know didn't have to do anything. Is that part of Mike McCarthy like rebooting Dak from his struggles last year of? You know, uh, if if the defense is controlling the game, if we're controlling the game, 
we don't have to be a hero every time. I think maybe, but I also think when when they were getting close to the goal line and they were in control of the game, I think he was sandbagging. I, I think he didn't want to show everything they could do down there to score, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, handoffs, dumps to the wide to the running backs. Uh, but again, if you think about it, and I know that was one of the you know you, if you have to find a negative about a thirty to ten win, it was they kicked too many field goals and didn't score when they were inside the ten yard line in goal to goal situations. They were kicking field goals, but if you think about it, Dak missed Jake. Ferguson for a touchdown in the end zone overthrew him. It was a great play call. Uh, Peyton Hendershot had the tight end around and he missed the hole. It's a walk-in touchdown. And then on, on, on the second and goal at the one, they give the ball to Rico Dottle and he tries to gut, uh, to jump cut at the line of scrimmage. You're at the one yard line. You don't jump cut. You nailed it in the hole where you're supposed to go, right? Uh, so they could have scored three more times. They didn't. Uh, but there was part of me thinking he was real conservative with the play calls because he didn't want to show Arizona, uh, you know, exactly what they were going to do all the time at the goal line. Because if you think back to 40 to nothing against the Giants, they hit the edges with their speed, right? Pollard got a pitch out to the edge, and, and he scores. Uh Devontae Turpin got a pitch out from the nine, and he gets to the edge and scores. Uh, so I think there's different ways to attack inside that they could have done more. But you're right. They didn't have to do a lot of, you know, 20, 30-yard passes after they piled up that lead. All right. The heck with the Cowboys. The news today was Trayvon Diggs. Missouri beats Kansas State, your alma mater, on a 61-yard Kicker with a like a little pot belly and a ninety-two on his jersey just drilled it. Where were you at that time? Oh, good question, David. So you realize his nickname is the thicker kicker, right? The <laughs> thicker yeah. kicker. Okay, yeah. good. I like it because you're right. He's like two hundred pounds, I think, uh, and he spells it on his shirt that he sells under his nil uh, ability. T H I C. C-E-R. Oh, All okay. Thicker right. kicker. Okay, so here's what's happening. Uh, I had an appearance. The Cowboys, uh, the, the, the uh, Star Sports Tours does a reception uh, every afternoon uh, before on Saturdays before the game for the people they bring in on their on their deal. And I just finished. And I jumped in the car. I'm going to watch it on my on on my phone, and my phone runs out of juice. So I pull off somewhere where I know there's a place to get to a TV because this game's going overtime, right? So I pull off, and I knew there was a Hooters there with a lot of TVs. I said, okay, they got to have this game on. Well, I'm in the parking lot, and I'm sitting there. The TV, My TV, my phone comes back on. I got enough juice. I'm watching it, and I'm saying, okay, let me see how this ends. And then when it goes into overtime, I'm going to go inside. Well, he hit from 61, right? And it was all I can do to restrain myself from starting to honk my horn. My hand was right up there ready to do it. And I'm going, oh, I can't be that guy. But that's where I was. I got to cross-check you in examination. You said you went to Hooters where they have a lot of televisions. Exactly. (laughs) I didn't need to eat. Why else would I go in there? No, there are televisions everywhere. 
Televisions, yeah. <laughs> Mickey, thank you. Uh, thanks for the, I mean, the timing again of today with Trayvon Diggs. Bad news. Hate it. the news for Trayvon Diggs. Just got the new contract and everything. But they are so good on defense, although not as good without him. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. You're talking a two-time Pro Bowler that you, yeah. you don't you don't have. And by the way, and and Paul asked about Biadish. He was a Pro Bowler too last year. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I didn't know. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah, okay. it's coming to his own. Thank you very much. They are just all right, guys. They're rocking it in the uh, personnel department, draft and or free agents and trades. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.